All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce you today to Ashley Walters. Ashley is president of Onyx, an employee-owned business operating for over 54 years in Erie, Pennsylvania. Onyx designs, services, and manufactures high-temperature industrial furnaces. When Ashley assumed the general manager role in 2013, the company had lost sight of its mission and family-centric core values. Today, Onyx's mission is to make things better, empowered employees, happy clients, thriving communities. Ashley holds a BS in chemical engineering from Auburn University, and she's the chairman of the board of directions for Northwest Industrial Resource Center, which is a manufacturing extensive partnership, as well as president and director of Aspire Casualty, a reinsurance company. Ashley's the author of Leading with Grit and Grace, a journey of organizational culture change. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Lisa. Good. Well, just share with us a little bit about your background and what led you to Onyx to begin with in 2013. So I have, as you noted, um, my BS in chemical engineering from Auburn University, and I met my husband there uh, back in 1998. And we start. he started Onyx, the Southern Division, in 2002 when we graduated from college. And I joined Onyx in 2003 as a technical salesperson. Fast forward to 2013, I was a stay-at-home mom with two little boys, and my father-in-law called to let me know that the current leader had left the organization and that he needed me to, to lead and uh, take a look at the financials. Okay. And then, and so what happened? I know that there was, that they had kind of lost sight of their vision by that time. So tell us a little bit about the process of what you saw and how that transition started to take place to what is created for today. What had happened was the previous leader was a command and control style leader. And so he had really siloed the company. People weren't working well together. People were kind of living in fear. And so the first thing I did was come in and I just started asking curious questions. You know, how are we doing this? What's going well? What's not going well? And as I asked those questions, employees at first were fearful to answer me because they thought, you know, I was going to find something wrong and what they were doing, or I was going to throw them under the bus. They realized as I helped them solve the problems that they were facing, that I wasn't there to hurt them. I was there for them and to help get rid of the obstacles that were in their way. So I call that a much more democratic uh, approach to leadership. And it's really about putting people first. You know, as a leader, I have to help them that's the most important part of my job is helping them do their job to the best of their abilities. How about how many employees do you have at Onyx? We have 50 full-time employees. Okay. So going around and talking to each of the employees and having those conversations about how much time would you say that that took at the beginning that you were taking out of your day or out of your week? Yeah. So certainly to change a culture takes time. It took us a good 
four years before I felt like we were in a spot where kind of everybody was on the bus. Everybody was on the same page. We did a lot of different events and used a lot of lean principles to help us make that cultural shift. So we started out with a value stream of mapping event where we mapped uh, our entire production process. And then we went on to map our office uh, processes as well. So as we did those different lean type initiatives, it really started the conversation. It started the collaboration and those initiatives were what helped to lead to the culture change as well. So take us back to the early days when you first came in and you start asking these employees questions and they were still in that fear state. What did that, what did that sound like? You know, how were they reacting? What did it, it feel like that there was, the trust wasn't there? Yeah, so I think it was definitely a very divided organization. People kind of came to work with their heads down, did their work, and, and left for the day. Now you can just feel a difference when you walk in the door. You get smiles and friendly faces, and how can we help? And um, it's just a totally different dynamic. Uh, you can tell people are working together, all playing on the same team. And you mentioned that you were helping employees when you were asking questions and then pitching in and giving them what they wanted, what were some of the things that they were asking for when you were saying, hey, what's going on? What's working well? What's not? Yeah, sometimes it was just as easy as like a report that was taking a ton of their time that I didn't need. Maybe the previous manager had wanted to see this report every Monday, but it wasn't important to me. Just fleshing out some of the, I always asked what takes up the most of your time and annoys you? And then whatever that was, we worked to try to fix it. So we found, you know, three different people filing different AP stuff in different ways. You know, it was just redundant tasks. We just really tried to flush out kind of the inefficiencies and waste in the system. And as we helped remove those obstacles and and get rid of that annoying work for people, they were more apt to give us even more ideas on how we could improve. I love that question of what annoys you because that could that can be a it can be a little bit of a scary question because yeah. you don't know exactly how employees are going to answer that or what they're going to come up with. And so was there some hesitation in using that word or what was it about the word annoying that made it important for yeah, you to and use probably, that? Like we've gone on to use the um, Paul Akers from his book, Two Second Lean. He says, what bugs you? Okay. Um, so it might be a better way to phrase it. You know, you're never allowed to talk about another person. It's always a process or a, a piece of your work that is is causing, you know, the issue or that you'd like to see improved. I also call it servant leadership in that you're there to serve those who are on the team, right? So that looks like going to their workspace and seeing them, you know, do the process and helping them understand, like, maybe there is a better way to process, whether it's in the office or on the production floor. I know that uh, in your, in the intro, it said that you're, that Onyx is a, is a um, employee owned in the ESOP. So was it like that when you first came on board or how did you transition to an ESOP? Yeah, so when I first um, joined Onyx, my father-in-law, Eric Walters, was the majority owner of the company. And Drew and I went on to purchase him out uh, in 2018. So we became the majority owners. And then in 2020, July of 2020, we transitioned to an ESOP. So in 2019, Drew and I had begun thinking about, okay, what does a succession plan look like for us? 
And while I understand retirement and succession planning for 40-year-olds seems like a very odd topic, we also knew that third-generation family-owned businesses only had a 13% success rate. So while our two sons, we would love for them to come and work for the business one day if they so choose, we didn't want to ever make that um, something that they had to do. So we wanted to understand what you know succession planning for the future might look like for us. So I was set on a panel for succession planning and I found out about an ESOP and I came home and I told Drew, I said, I think this could be a really good plan for us. And he told me I was crazy and that I hadn't understood what I heard at the planning uh, event. And so we watched all the YouTubes we could find on it. And he says, actually, I think you're right. This is going to be a good option for us. We already had that family centric culture. We had, you know, repaired that culture so an ESOP was a kind of a natural transition for us. It was just reimagining what a family-owned business looked like. And exactly what what is an ESOP? What does that mean that the employees own the company? What is there a percentage? Is it just kind of share a little bit about what that looks like? Because obviously Drew did, thought it was too good to be true yeah. <laughs> until he learned a little bit more. So if people who are listening to this don't really understand the full implications of what an ESOP is, can you share a little bit about what you discovered? Yeah, sure. So ESOPs um, became the law in 1976, and there are not very many of them in the U.S. I think maybe around 5,000 companies that are ESOPs. So it's not something that's widely known about. An ESOP is an employment, an employee stock ownership program. So what that means is Drew and I sold all of our shares to the ESOP trust. So all of our shares to the, uh, went to the ESOP trust and they are released on a yearly basis to the employees who are employed by Onyx within that year. And they release based on payroll. So whatever your W-2 says out of the total payroll for the year. So then the company is also valued every year. And so you, the employees get a statement at the end of each year that says, these are the shares that you own and this is the value of those shares. There's nothing, they never pay a dime. The employees never pay a dime to be a part of an ESOP, but it becomes their retirement plan. So when they retire, the statistic is that they retire with 2.5 times more uh, as an ESOP company than a traditionally matched 401k. So what does that mean as far as succession planning though? The employees are owning the company, but at one, what point when you and Drew decide to retire, what happens in that next step? Yeah, so it's just like every other company, right? Um, the next step is to make sure that we have leaders within the company that are coming up and, and learning how to lead and learn how to manage the company so that one day when we do retire, those leaders are still here. The thing I think that Drew and I felt the best about is that previously, before we sold the shares, if Drew and I had been killed in a, a plane crash or a car wreck or something, then there, there wasn't a succession for the company itself. We don't know who would have bought the company if we weren't here. So in this case, you know, if something happens to us, the employees go right along, the company goes right along, there's no change. Okay, that makes sense. So what are some of the things that are keeping you up at night? So I think as a leader, what keeps me up at night is always trying to assess a situation and understand what my options are for addressing it and kind of thinking through all the different options, all the different scenarios. I, it weighs very heavy on me that I have 50 families that are banking on me making the right decisions 
while I don't always make the right decisions, I do try to fail fast and learn from them and recover uh, very quickly. And from a networking standpoint, if you were to reach out and learn from your manufacturing colleagues or people that are listening to this podcast, what are some of the things that you might like to learn from other manufacturers? So I'm, I miss, I mean, since COVID-19 hit, uh, I haven't been able to be in person and network with these other manufacturers or other business leaders uh, in person. And I really do miss that. It, I always want to hear what they're doing in their organizations that's going really well. And what I'm really interested to hear about is not just the standard business stuff, but what are they doing that's really different and unique that's helping move their business forward? Okay. And by the same token, what expertise or insight would you be willing to share with your colleagues? Yeah, so certainly I have um, led through two crises now. So uh, anybody that's, you know, coming out of this COVID-19 pandemic and is just feeling a little tired and a little lost and doesn't know which way to go, I'd be more than happy to share my story and, and see if there's a nugget in there that would help them. All right, awesome. And if you were to wrap this up in a nice bow and give your best idea or suggestion for something that's worked over there at Onyx to the people listening, what would that be? So I definitely think that the freedom to fail has been a big opportunity uh, and, and really competitive advantage for us here at Onyx. And what I mean is you're free to make decisions within the bounds of our vision, our mission, and our core values. So I'm not letting you light up a furnace and, and make it destructive. I'm only saying like, think outside the box. Don't just take, take the status quo. Try something new. If it doesn't work, that's okay. Try again. You truly do learn more from your failures than your successes, but never make the same mistake twice. That's terrific advice. <laughs> and it also helps you to, you to create a safe environment for people because they would rather know that if something didn't work, that they told you, you learned from the mistake and moved on versus knowing that they were going to get in trouble. And then you don't know <laughs> what's right. going Things on. Things get buried. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, Ashley, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your insight with us. Thank you so much, Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.